Today's message is entitled, Discouragement of Elijah. And who hasn't been discouraged in life? Um, and we see a big discouragement kind of take place through today's passage that we just read. It's a long one, but we start to see kind of how we all kind of kind of struggle, especially when we face conflict. And that's where we are going with our intro. There are so many conflicts, right? There's big or small, personal, interpersonal, and all these things are issues, right? And they cause us to just be in a state of mind that is not great, right? We're always discouraged when things don't go according to plan. And that's today's question is, how do you actually handle conflict, right? Do you become discouraged or do you try to fight through or do you try to fight through and then over time it's not working, so then you become discouraged. And a lot of times that's how people end up. They try really hard, you know, to make things work. They try very hard to be patient. They try to be as loving as possible, but years, <laughs> right, pass by of conflict. Years pass by of trying to put up and being patient. And those years become too much to handle. And what we see is Elijah's conflict, where he was one who poured his life for the Lord. He was kind of the voice of God where the king at that time was King Ahab, and he was so wicked to the point where he couldn't, be op he couldn't openly do his ministry. He had to be in hiding. So God would provide him food by sending a raven to bring him like bread and stuff like that. And Elijah, he finally saw like the, the pinnacle of his ministry where he was versing 300 prophets of Baal and they had this huge contest. And he had this great victory where they made a contest where let's see who is the true God. Is it Baal or is it the God of Israel? So they set two altars, and Elijah said, you guys go first. Cry out to your God, and if your God can bring fire to this altar, then your God is a true God. And if I do, you know, set up my altar and the God of Israel pours, puts fire onto this altar, then he is a true God. So the prophets of Baal go at it, and hours of their worship passes by, nothing happens. The sun gets hotter, but the altar is not on fire. So then they started to self-mutilate because they thought that that would please Baal. And they're bleeding out and they're doing their worship. It's not a good picture, and nothing was happening. And Elijah kind of makes fun of them, saying, maybe your God's asleep. And then... He prays, before he prays to God of heaven, he was like, all right, before I pray to God, let's douse this altar in water. And he poured so much water on top of it that a little moat formed around the altar. And he set up the sacrifice on top of the altar, and then he prayed, and 
fire came from heaven and exploded the altar. And he defeated the 300 prophets of Baal and they were put to death because of the idolatry that they brought into Israel. However, with this result, what happened? <laughs> he was a fugitive on the run. Because once Jezebel, the queen, she was the more powerful but even more wicked kind of power behind the scenes. He was, she was one to control King Ahab in many ways. So King Ahab cried to her saying, this, you know, Elijah, he, he defeated all of our prophets. And then she was like, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> and when Elijah heard that, he was like, I'm going to run. And it was so bad that he, he was like, take my life, God. He didn't want to exist. Have we been there? <laughs> Where you're just in so much conflict that you feel so alone and so without hope, right? You feel so hopeless to the point where you're like, God, take me now. Or you feel like, I don't want to exist. This was the mindset of Elijah. He didn't want to live anymore. Because he's like, oh, this is the last straw. I thought that was the answer. When fire came from heaven, I thought everyone would change. But nothing changed. Only a threat. And that's what it took to crack Elijah. We have to ask ourselves here today, what is our foundation? Elijah, he was a prophet of God. Of course, his foundation should be perfect, right? It wasn't. When we look at our own lives, what are we found, founding our lives upon? I remember one time, this is several years ago, and I've shared this story multiple times, but I'll share it again, but try to do it as quick as possible. We had someone at our church that came with a busted knee. Two siblings came and help them inside the church. I don't know why they came to church. They could have just stayed at home and rest if they're that hurt. This person could not walk. And we had a time to pray because I was thinking in my head, God, if there's any evidence, this will be the greatest evidence if healing takes place. Who can deny someone that has a busted leg and all of a sudden they, they're healed? Who can deny that, that that's you, you know? So in my mind, that's always been my pursuit. I was like, I need a miracle. Miracles are the answers. They will, they will you know, silence the detractors and people that are against the gospel. They'll see proof and they'll come to belief in Jesus Christ. That was my mindset. And then there was an opportunity. I was like, God, heal this girl. <laughs> you know, heal this person in Jesus' name. <laughs> and uh, everyone, you know, continued to pray and this was uh, one of our Friday night meetings that we had a long time ago. And I was just waiting in the back, and this person just walks out normally. <laughs> I was like, what? You couldn't even walk. Well, this person didn't even realize what happened. And then I let him know. I was like, your knee, don't you remember? You couldn't even walk. And they were like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, I can't believe this happened. And I was so happy. I was like, this person has a lot of family problems. This person has a lot of personal problems. 
Thank you, Lord. You know, this is the answer that they probably need. And I was expecting huge transformation to happen. One week passes by, two Sundays pass by, same complaints, same problems, same family issues, same relational issues. It was such a, just a mess. Still, and I was so discouraged. <laughs> I was like, God, like, if this is not the answer, then what is? If this is not proof enough for people to come to faith, then what is? But then I was reminded after some time that even Jesus did all these great miracles, and yet people did not believe. And I'm trying to figure out what is it that really matters? And it comes back to this covenant that we're holding on to, the gospel. A lot of times, instead of the gospel, we hold on to Genesis 3, 6, and 11. And I'll kind of explain this. Right now, it's just a bunch of numbers. But Genesis 3, we see the first sin, right? The fall of man. You can be like God if you eat of this fruit. <laughs> and this is the same lie that Satan uses Today, you are God. You're in control. You can do it. <laughs> if you set your mind to it, you can do anything. All these messages that we hear in today's culture is beautiful. Sounds great. But actually, it's very detrimental at the same time. Because we think that we are God. We think that we're in control of all things. But we need to wake up. We are limited because we are human. Not because we're weak. Not because like, oh, you, you, you think too small, that's why. No, we're human. <laughs> because we're human, we are limited. Just like last week we talked about, we can only love so much. We can be only patient so much. We can be smart so much. But once that runs out, what then? Discouragement. What then? Stress, right? What then? Disappointment. We try to be God so much, and when it doesn't work, when our will, when our situation does not bend to our will, we have no choice but to fall apart. Genesis 6, we see the age of the Nephilim where people were so materialistic and it's very similar to today in many ways. Trying to be the provider of everything or to get everything. We see Genesis 11 where we see the Tower of Babel where people were so, so caught up in being success-driven that it didn't matter who they needed to trample to get there. Satan uses the strategy, you can be like God, even today. It's the same old tricks, brand new packaging, <laughs> but it's the same thing. Genesis 3, 6, and 11. If we don't see that, we have no choice but to get caught up with it 
And we caught up, get caught up in this toxic culture. If you actually go through Acts 13, 16, and 19, you start to see what a culture of idolatry looks like. And we have no choice but to live this way. And what does that look like? It looks like this, where we fall into idol worship. And idol worship leads to spiritual problems. And spiritual problems lead to mental problems. Right? Because you're trying to be like God, so then it's not working, so then you get stressed, and all that stress turns into physical problems, and those physical problems, it doesn't just end there. We face judgment before God, and on top of that, it continues onto the next generation. There's a spiritual element to it, and also a very practical element to it, right? Where they see what you do and copy. Copy-paste. Without this covenant, without this gospel, we have no choice but to follow this pattern. Maybe you are in this pattern. Maybe your family might be in this pattern. Your friends might be in this pattern. We have an answer to get out of this pattern. And that's found in Christ. But is he really our foundation? just like the question that we started off here today. When we look at Elijah, his foundation was fragile. It just took one word from a queen. Yes, years of pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, and then he thought he got the answer, and then I'm going to kill you, and then he runs away because of this threat. And when we're in God's grace, even though we are in a horrible situation, God still lends us his grace. Where we have to understand we need strength outside of ourselves. Where we can't just come up with strength out of nowhere. We need God's grace to give us strength. But this is what we need to do. We need to accept it. We don't accept God's grace. They're like, that's too simple. My problem is too complicated. Uh, I don't think it's the answer. So we don't do it, you know? And no wonder if when you go, as we studied uh, Moses, and people were being judged by God sending the poisonous snakes, and those who looked upon the bronze snake would not be hurt by the poison. That sounds ridiculous. So people didn't even, even you know, like, even... Um, What's it called? They didn't even try to look, you know, just like, whatever, let me look anyways. You know, what, what will it hurt, you know, <laughs> and then they'll be healed. But they wouldn't even do that. Our heart is like that. We're so stubborn to even accept grace. But thankfully, in Elijah, as he's, as he's running away, this is him running away, and then this is the angel of God providing him this bread, and also water. And this is like some powerful food because it actually strengthened him for 40 days to travel to Mount Horeb where he would meet God. How do we accept grace? Right? In this case, it wasn't that Elijah was seeking God. God actually sought him. For those who are children of God, yes, God, he does that. 
But when he does, we need to accept his grace. And Elijah does this by taking in the bread and the water. And we do this by restoring worship in our lives. And just like we talked about last week, praying, holding on to God's word. Just like last week, same challenge. One thing that you can hold on to today's message, hold on to that throughout this week. Or if you're jotting down notes for the entire message, that's a great place to go back to and reference back to as you pray. This is how we accept God's grace. Not just let, you know, going through the motions of worship, hearing message and going out the other side of your head and nothing really remains. We accept grace by actually holding on to the word. So we see God answering in an unexpected way. When it comes to encountering God, we want something like amazing, right? So God shows these amazing things, great and strong wind that broke through mountains and that was followed by an earthquake and then that was followed by a great fire. But God was in none of them. And it was in this whisper where God revealed his plan and in this whisper received the answer that he needed. Isn't that our case many times? We want God to do something so fantastic that if it doesn't meet that level, then, you know, can't be God or, eh, you know, it's my, my religion, my background. I grew up as Christian, so it's that same old story. If that's the level of our Christianity, eh, I was just born in a, into a Christian family, we can't enjoy the blessings that God has for us. It's when we make ourselves available as we hold on to God's word that this becomes a little bit more than, oh, this is the religion I was born with, but rather this becomes the answer for this world. God gives us wisdom to know how to relay this message in such a way to match your field. It's just that we need to enjoy it ourselves. Don't expect God to bend to your will. Just like last week, we talked about seeking God's kingdom and his will. And that might sound very like, oh, that's selfish of you, God. But our greatest joy is found in his will and his kingdom. How do I know that? just like last week, because what Jesus did in his ministry. Everywhere he went, the kingdom of God was established. People were being healed. People that were rejected were now being found. People that were hopeless now have hope. Your greatest joy is found here in God's grace, and you receive the strength that you need to carry out what you're doing. You're studying? Okay, receive God's grace and study. You're working? Receive God's grace and do your work. Receive God's grace and build his church. Receive God's grace and raise your family. Don't do it on your own because you have nothing but disappointment if you do it on your own. I pour out this much, 
and this is what I get. <laughs> you know, I pour out this much, and I can only go this far. I work this hard at work, but there's no one to recognize the effort. You have no choice but to crumble because it is very discouraging. It is very disappointing when we're unrecognized, when, there is, when it feels like there's no hope. But we need to find answers in the unexpected by seeking God's will and his kingdom. If this is not something that you pray for, pray for it. God, establish your kingdom in me. Because I have plans, but I don't even have the strength to carry it out. Help me to see your plans, God, and receive your grace. So I can at least function, <laughs> right? So I, at least I can pour out, if not my love, your love, to the people that are around me. So, conclusion is this, examine your foundation, right? And this is, sounds like something construction related, but I guess that could be a good picture. I was thinking about putting a foundation <laughs> picture in there. But examine your foundation because it's important, right? If there's cracks, right? No good for the home. Same thing with our own spiritual foundation too. If it is Genesis 3, 6, and 11, right? self-centered, materialistic, focused, or even success-centered, then we're in for a journey of much hurt, right? Because if, if it's not God, then we make ourselves God and fall into idolatry, fall into spiritual problems due to that, mental problems, physical problems, and we face judgment one day and it impacts our future generations as well. Even if we don't have kids, it still applies because there are a generation right behind you, right? Lower class men that are going to see your example. And in many ways, we, you, everybody here becomes pioneers for that next generation or for your peers, for your friends. So, as you examine your foundation, restore true worship. And I want to kind of break it down. Make goals, meaning make these tiny challenges for your personal worship. If you haven't prayed, pray, right? If that's where your level is, pray. If your level is, you know, on the, uh, well, you're praying, great. Ask God, Lord, help me to see what evangelism looks like, right? Not as I've, I've seen it, right? Not as I've seen people on my campus, but what is the true evangelism that you desire, God? Help me to see what that looks like. Like, challenge yourself spiritually. Don't just be okay with status quo or just no answers. Receive answers because that's what not only brings you alive, but brings the people around you alive. So have these goals for your personal worship. Pray before you work. Pray before you study. Pray before, you know, 
your child goes to sleep, you know, or pray in the morning or pray while you're struggling, something, challenge yourself. For some people, it could be offering even. Challenge yourself. If you can't tithe, then <laughs> you know, start off with a dollar. I don't know. And see how God provides for you as you trust in Him. For some people, it's going to be even getting to church. Some people don't have this you know, strength or spiritual strength to come to church even. You know, because there's so many other worries or so many other things in their schedule. And that's some of it, yeah, it's understandable. And some of it, you know, is like, hmm, <laughs> there's a pattern here. Um, and we have to challenge ourselves one way or another. And this is for our personal growth seeing how God is communicating because that's what our goal is. Doing all these things is not just for the sake of going through the motions as a Christian, making things happen, or, yeah, I just want to support your ministry, so I'm going to give you offering, Pastor. That's not the purpose of church. As we're doing these things, these are part of our worship, and we have to challenge ourselves because that intent of pursuing God is so important. Elijah, as he pursued, as he sought out, God, he provided. And not did he provide, but he provided the answers that he needs. He, he thought he was by himself. He said, I'm the only one left. But God said, hey, I have the next king already prepared. I have your replacement already prepared. And I have 7,000 people that have not bowed their You're not the only one. And he's just so many answers at one time. Elijah has nothing to say. All his complaints just went away. All his discouragement, gone. Just with one word. Just like one word, he fell apart. But with one word from God, he was completely restored. And not only completely restored, but answers to prepare for that next generation. This is what God is providing for each one of us. This God of Elijah is the same God that we serve. And this is what we have to see. Examine your foundation. What are you living for? If it's for money, you're going to see that pathway, right, of idolatry, Spiritual problems, mental, physical, all that. It's just going to happen. That's just the pattern of this world. But when we pursue the things of God, we can break it. We can see answers beyond what our circumstances happen to show, right? For Elijah, his circumstance was dire. But the answer he received went beyond that problem to the point where he became the solution that much more. So as we hold on to today's word, let's really see what God has prepared for you, right? Is your foundation today fragile? Take a look. Examine your heart. Are you destroyed when there's one threat <laughs> or one big problem 
that comes your way, then it's time to re-examine, right? Your foundation. Because God, he provides us a grace that restores. And he does that through his son, Jesus Christ. Where no longer are we bound to the problems of Genesis 3, 6, and 11. But in Christ, we are restored, made into a child of God. And as a child of God, we have this great background where the Holy Spirit dwells in us and works through our weaknesses so that we're not fighting alone. We're not doing life alone. You're not raising your family alone. But you have Christ who is with you. You're not studying alone. You're not living life alone. Restore worship and see God's answers. And it might not be in the most expected ways. Sometimes it is, but many times it's not. So expect his answers as you align with his will, his kingdom, and see what he has prepared for you. Challenge yourselves in small ways. If you haven't prayed like during the week at all, then start by you know starting somewhere. It doesn't have to be even long. It can be for thirty seconds to a minute. It doesn't have to be very long or very um, you know. I pray a lot, <laughs> but but it doesn't have to sound like me. It's a conversation with God. And if you need help, actually holding on to that one thing that you write down or to the message notes becomes very important where you can just read through that as your prayer and remember to pray in Jesus' name, right? And that becomes a source of answer for you, a source of grace for you.